0: are listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha, thank you for being here with us. On this edition of the podcast, RA's partnership with Black Minds Matter continues. Black Minds Matter is a charity on a mission to connect black individuals and families with free mental health services by professional black therapists. Black Minds Matter are currently looking for 21,000 long-term donors who are able to donate £5 a month. With your support, they can take real steps towards achieving their goal of creating a lasting impact on Black mental health. There are links in the description of this podcast if you are able to help. Every month throughout 2021, We have been celebrating a Black-owned, creative electronic music project by hearing their story on the podcast, on the site, and by offering some financial support. You can find the full details of RA's partnership with Black Minds Matter at ra.co forward slash about forward slash community. Our partnership will continue into next year as we evolve the collaboration to explore more documentary based features on the podcast based on the themes that have arisen during the interviews in this year's series. More information on that is coming very soon. For now, I am delighted to hand over to Vanessa Maria, who has had a chat with the DJ and singer Nayo, who is also the founder of Bristol-based inclusive club night, Booty Bass.
1: Booty Base is where I could go and just let loose and play my music and dance all night and come out the club sweaty and everyone (laughs) else is leaving sweaty. We've all just been in this room dancing to like Afro beats mixed with bass music. And it's, and again, it's like people see booty bass even now as being a bit of a political space, but it's not political. The only thing that's political about it is that we are being unafraid to be who we are and take up the space that we're in. And for some reason... You know, because that's not the status quo, then people go, oh my gosh, wow, like you're really doing all these things. But it's not, it's not
0: politics. It's just, it's just trying to feel safe. This conversation covers Bristol's complex dynamics, Nio's love of jazz, and how the collective is focusing on supporting each other's mental health as we move into 2022. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Nio on RA's Exchange.
2: Yo, what's good? It's Vanessa Maria here, and I'm really excited to welcome you back to a special edition of RA Exchange in collaboration with Black Minds Matter. I'm a DJ, a broadcaster, and a digital marketeer at Sony for Black Bottle Records. And as always, I'm not alone today. I am joined by an absolute force to be reckoned with, more than just a singer. This is a powerhouse of a performer who can switch it from a DJ set to delivering intricate jazz harmonies. As well as performing Naya founded Booty Bass, which is a space for women and non-binary folk to come together and play big bad bangers. Listen, over the past year, she has performed virtually for Jals Peterson's We Out Here Festival, Shangri La Times, Lost Horizons and Shambhala. With radio appearances being regular, she has her own SWU FM show and she has made appearances on Kiss FM, BBC One Extra, BBC Introducing, and Trickstar Radio.
1: I want to welcome Nayo. How
2: are you? I'm well. I'm very, very well. What made you smile today?
1: What made me smile today? I'm going to the gym actually I'm trying to get back in it trying to sort of um yeah get back on the the health the physical mental health um so yeah it made me it made me smile not only going getting myself to the gym but then also in the gym um smashing it out to Wizkid so it was a great great day
2: oh amazing and Wizkid has been performing this week um have you managed to go
1: yeah i went on wednesday it was so good and this is the thing when i was like pumping the cross trainer and just like singing along to the songs in my head and i'm just like visualizing how sick it was like looking around at everybody singing the tracks together like twenty thousand people at the o2 playing and singing along to afro beats like it was such a good vibe and um yeah really just i feel so blessed to have been able to go and have that kind of memory and feeling to recall on whenever I listen to the tracks.
2: I love that. And it's been so gloomy and like wintry recently. So it's nice to have like the balance of like some sunny, warm weather, weather? warm mm. music that makes you feel like you're, yeah. you're, do you know what I mean? It makes you just feel like you're yeah. on the beach
1: but <laughs> well, this is this is it and it's also just yeah it's like i think that's what i've always loved about Afrobeats as well you know is that like Afrobeats just makes me smile like it makes me feel like i'm in a hot country um even if i'm not so even if i'm like in my big old fleeces with my little fire on if i've got if i've got my Afrobeats on, and i'm like mm, i'm cool it's all right it's gonna be sunny again we're gonna have heat on our face again
2: <laughs> <laughs> no i love that i absolutely love that and do you know what it's interesting because you are based in Bristol
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you were born in London, is that correct?
1: Yeah, it is. Yes. It is correct. And what's your heritage? So I am half Nigerian and half English is the is the easy answer. I did my ancestry because um, I was really interested to see what other bits might be in there. And of course, you know, on my Nigerian side, there's also Ghana and Trinidad, Bego, like all... Oh, all lots of different things and on my English side there's Scottish and Irish French and yeah I mean there's there's so many different parts of what makes us who we are right but um but yeah but that is the 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 cut and dry the the black and white would be English and Nigerian
2: so the warm weather is in your blood yeah
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) what um what music do you
2: feel most at home with then seeing as you have such a multiplicity of um identity that you've talked about and how it's it, you can you know base it on being black and white but really it's so much more than that
1: definitely and it's, it's it's cultural you know and i think for me the music that i feel at home in that's a really good question i think it would go i think it would straddle a few but probably would be um jazz which is where my heart is really and jazz is what i listen to to feel grounded and to feel calm um, I used to listen to a lot of Ella Fitzgerald, Nina Simone. Like that's that's what I grew up singing along to. So that's kind of always got an element of um of safety in it for me. But then also things like, you know, Kuti, like that's that's what was played a lot in my house growing up. So I think I've always had these um I've always ha- I've always had a kind of backbone of music that was inside sort of musicality and rhythm. Um so yeah, I think I think those two would be the ones which are which are my my core my core genres Mm.
2: and from from that what kind of music were you listening to growing up
1: um yeah I mean I would say like a lot of a lot of jazz a lot of afro a lot of kind of um reggae and classical I mean there was a lot of there was a lot of different types of music being played when I was when I was sort of really young um I think the music that I kind of then decided to choose to listen to was yeah really in like jazz, um, there's this really incredible um, French uh, duo called um, Les Nubien, who I used to listen to all the time, didn't know what they were saying because I can't speak French, Mm -hmm. but um, (laughs) they're like a really interesting sort of fusion mix of sound. Um, I think they're based in in New York now, actually. Uh, But yeah, I think like for me, music, which has always made me excited, has been one that's crossed cultures and has had different elements from from their background, which you can really hear in their music. And it's not something that you've ever heard before. Like what I love about jazz, you know, like especially like Ella Fitzgerald, I think is one of the most incredible singers. And, but like, she's an incredible singer, but then when she scat sings, it's all like syllables. And, you know, really she's what I would define as, you know, the first rapper because of the way that she, she plays with sound and she makes things, sort of she makes all the musicality and the rhythm just shoots out of her mouth at a speed is, which is impossible to replicate. <laughs> I've tried many times um, but yeah like I think I think any kind of music that really makes me want to go and dig more into the artist to find out what their influences are has always excited me.
2: And you're an artist yourself?
1: I am yeah I'm, I'm a singer, um, I'm learning production, I um, yeah I, I, I DJ, I... <laughs> <laughs> do some uh, writing. Um, and I kind of just really like to play with different instruments. I wouldn't say that I'm incredible at any of them, but I really like to sort of bring them into my own development as an artist. And it was funny, actually, I learned to DJ because I couldn't sing at the time. I had some throat trouble and um, I was not allowed to sing for a year. And in that year, I thought, well, I have to do something musical because otherwise I'll go crazy. And um, production seemed a little bit too frightening, a bit too intimidating for me at the time. (laughs) And so, yeah, so I decided to try DJing and just completely fell in love with it. Um, And then when I could actually start singing again, I started putting the two together of DJing and singing at the same time. Um, And then that's the kind of stuff that I'm working on a bit more at the moment
2: and I remember when um so we go way back because we met in Bristol when I was living there yeah yeah and I remember when um you brought out your EP uh We Fly mm. that was such a wonderful moment I think for you as well and we actually sat down and had a co- conversations there about um identity and how that sort of shaped the music that you make um and that was a quite that was I would say that was like two was it two years ago? Maybe two, three years. Yeah. Ago.
1: Well, maybe, maybe yeah. it was even. Yeah, it must have been two years ago. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh. That's How hard would, to think about.
2: I know it's crazy. How would you say your creative process has changed in that time? Um, bearing in mind, obviously we've had a whole pandemic, so I can imagine that <laughs> it must have. <laughs> I think everyone's sort of life got turned upside down in that in that sense, like just in in terms of creativity and uh, being um, an artist.
1: Definitely. I mean, I think what was interesting about that is that so during the pandemic, my the remix EP came out. So that was the remixes of all of the original tracks. um, And that was working with some of some producers who I have so much respect for. um, Hagen, KG, LR Groove, and it came out on Durkle. And I it was really incredible releasing that. I felt very grateful to be able to actually release anything over that time but it also really reignited my my love for songs and my love for the sort of the creative process. But I think after that, like, I, not that I wanted to, I think I wanted to pause, you know, that We Fly is, I, I'm so proud of it, but it took quite a lot out of me emotionally because it was, like you say, it went really quite in depth into identity and belonging um, and all these types of things. And I was kind of like, I don't really know, if I want to go back into that place a second time during a pandemic when I can't see anybody. So I kind of paused, but actually during that pause, I was working on a few different other projects and I started writing again, but really organically, like I wasn't writing for a purpose. I was just writing to get out my, my thoughts and my feelings, which is always how I've written in the past. Um, You know, for me, music has always been therapy. That's how I see it because it's, it's my way of writing out my emotions, even if I don't really know what I'm like thinking about or, or worried about, but I'll write. And then through that writing process, I'll be able to reflect and I'll figure out what it is that I'm struggling with. So during that time, I just started doing that again and really doing it for me. And what happened through that was then I kind of came out, we came out of the pandemic and I had sort of five, six pieces of work that I was like, okay, well actually, I could do something with this. Um, so that's actually what I'm working on at the moment is, and, and a lot of it is spoken word, which again is really mm. surprising to me because I, I would have never classed, I don't class myself as spoken word artist, but others do. Because for me, I'm not, I don't know, poets. <laughs> <laughs> when I know a lot of spoken word artists and a lot of poets and they are so like, they are so incredibly um, well-versed in that craft. And it's just something that I've kind of stumbled on because I seem to write in rhyme when I'm upset. <laughs> uh, so I like, I always feel a bit like, oh, am I allowed to call myself that? But um, but yeah, I came out with these sort of five or six pieces, um, and also that were written around Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, round two. So yeah, that's that's what I've been doing now. Is just kind of looking back at those things and and starting to develop them with my long-term producer um, and just seeing what comes out of it, really. It's it's been really nice to play again with the band. You know, we've been able to play gigs again and start jamming together again. And that's been awesome. So yeah, it's just been kind of, although the pandemic has was and continues to be a very emotionally draining process. um, It has also given opportunity to kind of sit and reflect and reset and, you know look at what things we liked about our lives before what things we didn't and decide what we want to change.
2: Mm, I've to that really heavily and it's do you feel like you would have went into the direction of spoken word if you'd not had that opportunity?
1: Um, It's hard to say mm. I think Um, I think the spoken word aspect is something that I had started to feel more comfortable with just because there was quite a lot of it in Blackbird and um, people were really responding to that part of um, the song, um, so I think it's something that I would have maybe come to a little bit later on, um, but I also think it's kind of it's it's one of those areas where before I might have written something and then gone okay how am I going to turn this into a song, and whereas now I'll go okay what parts of this is a song, or what part of this is is could be something else. So I think it gave me the opportunity to be a bit more experimental and um, put myself in my stretch, which is um, a great phrase that uh, the wonderful Dr. Mina Fombo taught me, which is about like, you know, what you, you can do things when you're in your comfort zone um, really easily. And Not that it's always an easy process, but you know what you're doing. But when you're in your stretch, that's when you're growing the most, you're learning the most, you're, 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 you're getting the most out of that situation, but it is stretching. So it's not a comfortable Position to be in, um, so but yeah, I, I really love that idea now because if I'm, especially if I'm in a creative stretch, I go, okay, I'm in my stretch. But imagine how great it's going to be when this feels like my comfort zone.
2: Mm. I like that phrasing that put a creative stretch, like pushing yourself and making sure that you're in a in a way in a way that like you're always growing and learning, um, which exactly. is so so important. Um, and I feel that that was definitely something that everyone experienced, or well, not everyone, but most people experienced in that pandemic because it was challenging for like you know for us all, especially in the crave industry. Um, and I know that we've discussed a lot of things about um, family dynamics as well, and understanding um, where you your lived experience from family members and how that affects, I guess, your well-being as well, because that all feeds into it. Um, Moving, moving into that, then how do you feel um, your well being over the pandemic has been shaped? And this, you know, this podcast is in association with Black Minds Matter, so um, I always think it's really important as well to touch on like Black mental health.
1: Definitely, I think what was really interesting for me in the pandemic um, was like my body stopped. As in my, I got a slip disc in my back, in my oh, in wow. the sort of the, the bottom of my back, and it actually meant that I couldn't move for months. Really, oh um, it's yeah. thankfully getting better now, a year later. But it was really frightening because it happened mid pandemic. Um, I live, I lived by myself, so I didn't have anyone to help me. Um, and then this was also around the time of Black Lives Matter round two. Um, I was also, you know, a couple of months before that, bringing out the music video for Blackbird. And that was, you know, quite an, in, an interesting process as well. And I suddenly found, because I, so I helped organize the first Black Lives Matter in Bristol, which was in 2016, I think. Um, and that was really came out of just needing to do something. I, I felt really um, helpless and afraid and angry and um, me and a few others helped organize the first one but what that meant was that when the second round of Black Lives Matter came suddenly everyone was coming for me Not, not not in a negative way but everyone was like oh my gosh what do we do please get and I was just like I am at my lowest I have no capacity and now this thing is happening which is devastating to me and to our whole community and I just didn't have anything left to give and what the, the 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 silver lining I can take from that was that while these people you know quite quite look as because I you know I do work with a lot of venues and organizations and you know they're kind of going what do we do and I was like look here's what we need to do is kind of find a way to support a community which is going through a really difficult time and that is not by asking those who are suffering the most to lead unless they want to unless that's where their energy is because everyone has their own thing to contribute in in that time so it was really yeah it was it was I mean gosh even just thinking back to it it was so draining I remember having a zoom call and just bursting into tears with like all these organizations so I was like I cannot do this like I don't know what we should do I don't know I like, I found it really hard to see any kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And I think, I mean, really, you know, I can look back now and just go, yeah, I was really depressed. Um, And yeah, so with some really, you know, great allies, we kind of created a virtual protest space for people who couldn't actually go to the physical protest because of, you know, many reasons I myself was shielding. So we kind of did that, but also it was like, it was a really good opportunity to let the next generation do what they needed to do and it was incredible to see the the march that happened off the back of all of the amazing um, younger people in Bristol and you know whether or not however, people feel about the statue like it had to come down and what was quite nice to be able to do after that as well was when sort of things had started to calm down and the world was very slowly starting to open up again was being able to um, present monumental Um, for BBC World which was talking about not exactly just the statue coming down but actually what all the people, in, well not all the people but what a lot of key people were doing in Bristol to try and tackle racial inequality Um, which was a really sort of quite a cathartic thing to be able to do actually and and felt positive without kind of glossing over the many many issues that currently exist in society Um, but yeah I think that was just such a wild time wasn't
2: it it was so wild thinking
1: back to it just like raw like the fact that we all survived is incredible the fact that we all survived and managed to support each other through that in whatever you know capacity we could is incredible because I think it just really really took it out of everyone and also the fact that nothing was filtered you know it's like I've got nephews and the niece and they were seeing awful things on tv and you know just just trying to be there for your loved ones through that time was was really difficult um but I also think it's it it did give us all the opportunity to go actually what am I prepared to put up with when the world opens actually do I want to be at these family gatherings with these people who might say really ignorant things. Do I want to be in those meetings with those people who might say really ignorant things? Do I want to open myself up to be triggered um, by people if I don't have to? And I think for a lot of people it was, yeah, no, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. Um, So I think a lot has changed, you know, for definitely for a lot of people that I've spoken to over the last year, because they had to, you know.
2: We had to change. Exactly. And you touched a lot on Bristol and, Uh, The protests and um, the, I guess, the activism that was going on there, which has been incredible and it has not gone unnoticed. That was globally, (laughs) global news um, (laughs) all over. We've seen the statue toppling down. Um, Obviously, we all loved it. Um, And something that I think is really incredible about Bristol is the community, the community there. What do you feel... um, Shapes. Do you feel? First of all, do you feel like sh- Bristol itself, as an environment, has shaped your um, your the music that you make or the art that you create? Um, and and if so, how do you feel like the history of Bristol or being in being a black person in that city with with its history, its slave history, has um, affected the work that you create?
1: Um, so I would definitely say that yeah, it has it has affected me because you know Bristol. Bristol is a very complicated place <laughs> let's put it that way it is at, at its um sort of best heart it is an activist city. you know we are there is a lot of um pure raw talent here and um, people who have been able to create this sound which has which was born in multiculturalism and thrives in multiculturalism and you know I think um Sound system culture, you know, it's 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 really in the heart of Bristol. You know, I I travelled around South America in my early twenties, and I remember being in this tiny place in the middle of Bogota, in Colombia, and someone saying, "Oh my God, you're from Bristol, Massive Attack," and I was like, "Wow, imagine, imagine, I'm here in the middle of nowhere, and I don't even speak any Spanish, and you're, and you know Bristol music." And I think. Because of that, there's always been this sense of um, the the Bristol sound is almost like it it, it cannot be challenged, um, and it cannot be um, like you, you you can't you can't say that it 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 hasn't been its own entity within itself. And I think it's inspired a lot of music all over the world. And being in that in that hub of creativity and energy is incredibly inspirational um but at the same time you know bristol is the most segregated city in the uk it is um there's very big sort of pockets of not wanting to talk about really important things, which is why the statue's been there for so long, which is why we have Colston's name and face in all the stained glass windows all over the city, which is, you know, Bristol is built on colonialism and the slave trade. And that is why it's so beautiful because, you know, it's a very rich place. But inside that richness, we've never been able to really dissect um, what that means for us as, as as a city's identity so I think it's um I think kind of having that real sense of duality has made has definitely informed my music in that I feel I, like I love Bristol Bristol is my home but it doesn't mean that I don't see the cracks that are here and I think that has probably affected my music because I've wanted it to be you know my music is uh, I mean, people say my music's political. I don't know if, if it's political. I think I'm just talking about the realities of what it is to be a mixed race woman, and for some reason that's political. But mm-hmm. it's I probably being here has made me feel like I'm allowed. I'm allowed to take up space in the industry, in the the physical spaces of the venues, in the discussions. Like I feel like I should be allowed to be there because why not? Um, so yeah, I think I think sort of being here has definitely a f- like inspired and informed my music in the way that like you know what 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 do I want it to say about me what do I want to leave behind like if someone was to hear a song of mine in 50 years you know maybe fingers crossed um what would that say about the time and the space that I'm living in right now um so yeah I think I think it has had a real effect in that way
2: do you feel like you are almost bound to talk about some of the issues because I, I feel like there's often like this thing of like a burden um yeah that yeah that black people <laughs> yes. have and I'm just thinking being in Bristol and being black and with everything that's happened it's like do you know what I mean you feel like you might yeah, have definitely. a responsibility yeah a responsibility to talk I- about it.
1: I do I do and I also think it's that kind of responsibility though like not even just being in Bristol, but I do feel like that's responsibility that gets put on mixed race people generally, which is mm. that you know we are a bridge between cultures and races and I've always felt a bit of a responsibility to sort of educate you know and like not in like a patronizing way, but you know there's a lot of things that I will hear sometimes that people say to me because I'm like this middleman. And so you have to then decide, all right, am I going to challenge this or am I going to let it go? And because of who I am and the way that I've grown up, I most of the time challenge it because I don't want to be in a conversation like that. But yeah, you do get to a certain point, you're like, I don't really know if I want to talk about this today, man. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and in terms of music as well, I'm like, maybe I just want to make a banger like maybe I don't want to talk about any deep stuff but then am I allowed to not talk about deep stuff because then how, how am I changing the world and it's like bruv let me breathe but you know that's and actually even as I said that like the track that I released this year was called breathe and that was with um a uh, cardinal sound and it was a drum and bass uh record and like, and so that's the thing I think for me as well, I've kind of gone all right, What do I want to talk about as an as an artist for my own stuff, and what do I want to just be able to collaborate with people on? And that's you know, that's the gift that we have as as artists really, is that we can we can say, all right, this piece of work is what represents me in this lane, but actually that's not the whole of who I am, like and i'm I'm very much a believer that you shouldn't fall into doing or being one thing because we're all multiple you know, we're all multiple thoughts and multiple feelings and multiple selves. Um, so we should be able to experience that and and have fun with that wherever we can, you know. It's, and, and actually, that's why Booty Base became such a haven for me, because Booty Base was the place where I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to be political, like I can be political. I mean, again, like I, I don't, it's not something that I feel like I choose to do all the time, but Booty Base was where I could go and just let loose and play my music and dance all night and come out the club sweaty and everyone else is leaving sweaty. We've all just been in this room dancing to like Afro beats mi- mixed with bass music. And it's, and again, it's like people see booty bass even now as being a bit of a political space, but it's not political. The only thing that's political about it is that we are being unafraid to be who we are and take up the space that we're in. And for some reason, you know, because that's not the status quo. Then people go, oh my gosh, wow, like you're really doing all these things. But it's not, it's not politics. It's just, it's just trying to feel safe, you know?
2: Absolutely. And I, yeah, you put it, you hit it on the nail. It's just about being being safe and um, enjoying and being able to enjoy. And you touched on Beauty Base, which is great because that is something I definitely want to get into uh, what is beauty base for someone who's wondering what the hell is beauty base it sounds incredible i want to i want to know what this booty base is
1: <laughs> booty booty popping everywhere <laughs> um, so booty base is the it began as a night and then it turned into a collective and um booty base it was basically uh when i so yeah when i learned how to dj uh, and got the opportunity to play a venue Uh, for four hours on a Thursday and I jumped at it because I was like I didn't have decks at home so really it was a place for me to just practice publicly. Oi, I I dread to think of the clashes that were happening that night because I was just trying to like make I was just trying to play all the tunes that I loved in the way that I loved them so I was just figuring it all out but I was playing a lot of like Dance hall, Afro beats, Latin, and um, bass music. So I would normally start with like dance hall, then I'd move into a bit of Latin, a little bit of Mumbaton, a little bit of reggaeton, and then I'd go into like Afro beats, Afro house. And then I would kind of have some really tribal stuff. And then I would go like percussive, heavy percussive stuff. And then I would go into kind of garage um, and bass music, and then normally end on drum and bass so a pretty big range and on a thursday <laughs> so like and it was great because um there were these this group this team called the eastern cow Girls, big up eastern cow Girls, um up. who always used to have um they were they were um sponsored by the plow which is the venue that i was playing at so they would always be there having their end of football game pizza um and then they would just all stay for the night and then they were all like a few members are also part of Kiki Bristol which is um a collective which is all about bringing together uh queer people of color in the city so then they started coming to the night and then the the um bouncer said to me bouncers keep arguing because none of us want to work on a weekend because we all want to come and work on a Thursday because we love your set <laughs> so they're like so we're gonna try and get you moved to a Saturday I was like cool and they moved us to move me to a Saturday and it was just rammed all the time it was wild and um and I started to think okay well this is an incredible group of people like really like one of the most diverse audiences that I'd, I'd seen in Bristol um and really like a fiercely um independent and you know i, I think because when i dj as well I, I dance hard like i will normally not wear much because i know that by the end of the night i'm going to be swaying and that, that is all there is to it so but what i noticed that is that when i was playing all of the women would come and dance in front of me and quite quickly it became this culture of like women first like the women would always be there i liked. I was on the decks because it meant I could see the entire dance floor if someone was being in any way in- inappropriate on the dance floor I would look at the girl and be like you're right and then if she wasn't then you know the music would cut <laughs> Or, you know, the the Eastern cowgirls who became my kind of unofficial bodyguards. (laughs) Right. You mate, move off. So it really like it became a really um, self-policing space. But one which was just like, no, we respect one another. And if we are dancing hand on floor, booty in the air, shaking it in your face does not mean you can touch it. And that is just what booty base is about it's like we will we are dancing for ourselves doesn't mean you know we can't have a little wine if we want to but that is not the purpose it's like you know you are there in the space you everyone respects each other's boundaries everyone respects it so everyone respects that everyone's just there to have a good time so yeah the space itself became a really um nurturing beautiful place to be And um, so then I started getting people in to do like a little sort of warm up slot just because I thought, you know, there's all these amazing DJs out there um, and, you know, who were sort of um, women of color, mainly Um, women of color first, but also women. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, and that it was really like a space where they could just, you know, play what they wanted, but also be like know that i was there and i was supporting them because i also found that when i i first started out i was given a lot of really great opportunities to play at places but it was being run by men the audiences were predominantly men and it was it it felt really intimidating and i'm the kind of person where you're not necessarily going to know i'm intimidated because i know how to act like i'm not but it doesn't mean that i'm not so it was also a way to kind of be able to provide a safe space for those people who are like up and coming or, 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 or who were just playing in a new place or new equipment. Like there are so many little things that can, you turn up to a venue and just go, oh my gosh, like I'm scared. And you don't even know why sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, and you just need someone to go, you're yeah, all right. It's cool. I'm here. Like you're fine. But if, you know, if that fader does something mad, don't worry, I'm here. So it's just kind of be to be able to do that. And then we did a whole New Year's Eve um, thing and I got in almost all my favorite uh, warm ups of that year to come and play. And we just smashed it and we had the best time. And after that, I was like, I think this is a crew. Like, what do we think? And yeah, so then we just kind of became a unit really. And we started running that night together and we started branching out to some other venues started playing at like festivals um i think i think the same year we became a group we played at glastonbury and did like four gigs there so like things kind of picked up really quickly um and it's really nice because we're all we all have a kind of a, a deep love for the booty bass vibe and we all bring our own flavor to it and we also all just really love and support each other so like when we're there we're just having a party like, we're just having a great time um so yeah so it's it's, it's something that just really grew organically um from a, a total love of music and also of each other and of women and of non, non-binary people and of just being able to be a space for those kind of as as we um as we describe it internally as like you know that the freaks and the geeks who don't have a have a space in normal society, so they you know they're welcome where we are you know, and there's no judgment and there's no um questioning of of of, of people's identities like you're just uh, you're just there to be you in whatever beauty that is um so it's been really yeah lovely to kind of have that grow over the past few years
2: oh and you're like the mom of it all you can see, you can hear oh my- how proud you are. <laughs>
1: I literally I am such a they call me booty mama and, oh really um, yeah you can hear yeah, it <laughs> it's, it's really lovely
2: you can hear it in your voice the little mom the <laughs> yeah it's just and it's important that we have those spaces so it's it's just incredible that you've created that especially in um Bristol where it, there before booty base was there something that existed like that I don't I don't think so
0: you
1: know what? And it's I think it's wild, you know, because I don't think there was in that like, you can, not not to say there's not places where you can't go and find Afrobeats or find Latin or, you know, you there are places you can go and find that kind of stuff. But I think what we do is a bit, it's a bit different and and it's kind of like, you know, it's dirty rave, do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the, the edge of it that I love because people can come and dress up to Booty Base, absolutely, but also like, You know, you don't have to. Like, we're not checking anyone's dress code. Like, if you want to come and you want to dress to impress, cool. If you don't, you just want to be there to skank, also cool. Mm -hmm. And I think because, like, it was really coming from that space of, like, we are just here to have a good time. And, but also, we're not going to shirk our responsibilities and leave them at the door. Like, everyone in that space should be, like, protecting each other and loving each other. And, you know, I think because, really early on it became clear that that's what we were about like we never even really had to say it that was what was really interesting like people like the regulars just knew people just knew like if, if you are going to come here and be weird you will be asked you will just like they will just move you to the side of the dance floor until you get the message and leave <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not it's not the one um but yeah like I don't I don't think there was something quite like that also as well, because I think we sort of, we really just span so many different genres because that's who we are. So we don't say, you know, it's it's not, it's never going to just be like an Afrobeats night or like a bass music night. It's going to be the night that we, that we want it to be, but it's going to be bringing everyone's different cultural, like culturally, exciting music that they found over the past few weeks or months and and that's why I love because you know everyone will play stuff and I get gassed and I'm like oh my gosh what's this song and they're like oh I found it the other day and so we are just like hyping each other up the entire time and that's what makes it really exciting and then because we're really happy the audience is really happy and for us it's like it's always been a very symbiotic relationship like I don't see DJing as I'm gonna stand here and DJ and you're gonna dance like how am I not gonna dance if I'm expecting you to dance I'm sorry (laughs) like what like what what are we in this is is this a museum like no like if I'm done like if if I want you to enjoy my tracks and love them the way that I love them like we all like we're all in it together like it's not it's not me and them it's everyone like if I'm not having a good night you're not gonna have a good night like (laughs) (laughs) but also like that's never gonna happen like there'll be times when I've started and I'm so low energy but the, the 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 audience who are there and the regulars and 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 people who've never heard it before like their excitement excites me and then by the end of the night you know you're all in this just like euphoric frenzy of bass global music and that makes me so happy because that is that's Bristol, do you know what I mean? And that's, that's, that's me culturally, musically, is, is being really excited by loads of different things in one room and being able to introduce people to new music in a way that it doesn't isolate them. You know, like I'd play one thing, like I play Afrobeats into a garage track and people would recognize the garage track, but they'd go, what was that other track? And you're like, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it you'll get more later. (laughs) Or, you know, or you do it the other way around. So it was a really nice way of being able to open people up to new sounds and new genres and new perspectives um, in a way that just was still grounded in, like, love and respect and party.
2: Oh, and with that, you talk about introducing people to new, I guess, experiences and new genres. What new things have you got lined up for the new year
1: oh gosh I mean so much I don't even know what I'm allowed to talk about to be honest um (laughs) but I mean I guess (laughs) I guess from a booty based perspective like our thing this year is going to be like doing like starting to run our own parties again because what happened obviously you know during pandemic times is that you know we actually did quite a lot of online live streaming which was really good and it also really showed us um that that's something that we wanna continue doing in some ways because um, like we, one of our core values is inclusion and, and intersectionality. So for our audiences who can't necessarily come to a night out, whether that's because, um, you know, they can't get there physically or they don't like being there because of anxiety or they have kids or whatever it is, like whatever reason it may be, doesn't mean that they shouldn't still be a part of the vibe. Um, and while we were doing the live, the sort of live streaming, I used to get so many messages from people going, Oh my gosh, I really missed booty base. And, and actually I couldn't get to loads of them because of X, Y, Z, a lot to do around sort of social, um, childcare and sort of, um, sort of, yeah, social mobility. So that's an aspect that we really want to take forward into next year is like actually running our own parties again, but making sure that they can be, that, that just making sure that they're accessible, um, and people can sort of be a part of it whether they're there physically or not. Um and also just really um it's it's I feel like it's linked quite well with with this podcast as well is just thinking about how we want to keep ourselves um like resilient and topped up um whilst in this industry, you know, because I think also when you're DJing it's, that it's a very nighttime based thing, you know, there's lots of drinking a lot of the time you know sometimes more than you would normally if you were raving because you know you're just DJing and people just bringing you shots and you're doing shots then you're like what like <laughs> especially when things start getting busy no one needs to be doing tequila shots four days in a row that's just like just just from a sort of a body repairing perspective of, or maybe you know I, I could do it when I was 20 maybe that just shows that I'm getting older <laughs> but yeah I think one of the things we're, we're sort of going to be focusing on is just yeah kind of like getting a really good um mental health sort of uh package together like like together as a crew so that when we're all going through a tough time whatever that might be we know how to like top each other up um because yeah definitely over the pandemic you know we we really did support each other in that way and just being able to sort of know as well like how different people like to be supported and um yeah in 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 what capacity we we can do the supporting too so yeah that's kind of a big a big focus is like how we're gonna keep ourselves strong and resilient and happy um as a crew of people but then also how we're gonna um run events going forward which is um as inclusive as they can be.
2: Niall thank you so much (laughs) thank you I feel like I feel like I've become stronger just listening to who you, listening to what you had to say. Um, so I just want to thank you for sharing sharing all of that. Um,
1: and thank I- you so much for having me, man. Like <laughs> literally, and it's so it's so wild that we haven't even really been able to like hang out since all the madness happened. But like, I was listening just because obviously you mentioned um, when you interviewed me at the Wee Five thing, and that's on my podcast. So yeah, if anyone wants to check that out, that's on the Mixed Bag podcast on Spotify. Um, but also like just how incredible that talk was and also just seeing all the incredible things that you're doing. And it's really like, it's so exciting for me to see how, yeah, everyone is just thriving. Like we're not just surviving anymore. Do you know what I mean? We're thriving, we're thriving because we're supporting each other and we're, we're sort of recognizing all the work that we all do. And it's like, yeah, I'm so, so happy and I'm so proud um, to see you smashing life. Oh, um, thanks! Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been a pleasure. Um, for those who've been listening, uh, this has been the Aura Exchange in collaboration with Black Minds Matter. My name is Vanessa Maria, and we have been joined by the most wonderful Nao.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Nayo and Vanessa Maria. Black Minds Matter are currently looking for 21,000 long-term donors who are able to donate £5 a month. With your support, they can take real steps towards achieving their goal of creating a lasting impact on black mental health. There are links in the description of this podcast if you're able to help, I will be back with a new episode of RA's Exchange for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in at any time, including all the episodes from our collaboration with Black Minds Matter. Take care.